Is there life in outer space? Man sure spends an exorbitant amount of time and treasure looking for it. The simple answer to the question is, of course. The problem is man has been peering in all wrong places. Multiple features on God said, man said, address this subject. When evolutionists are flummoxed by the incomprehensible ubiquitousness of creation's demand for a creator-designer, they fall back to a defensive position commonly called panspermia. Panspermia is the idea that we may have been seeded from outer space by a superior intelligence. An excerpt follows from the book, Does God Exist? Inexpelled, no intelligence allowed, well-known British evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins, Oxford University's professor for public understanding of science from 1995 to 2008, said concerning the possibility of intelligent design, it could be that at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto, perhaps, this planet. Now, that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that. If you look at the details of our chemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some kind of designer. And that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe, end of quote. They always end up knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. The earth was created by the extraterrestrial of all extraterrestrials. God, who is from outer space, created the earth, its marvelous life forms, and its universe by his son, Christ Jesus. That's how it happened. Jesus said this to the Father just before the crucifixion in John 17, 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus is not of this world, John 1, 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. John chapter 8, 23, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. Jesus speaks of the redeemed in John seventeen sixteen. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We have been seated, created from outer space, all right, as God's word clearly declares, but dread the thought that these academic blasphemers would ever bow the knee. One of their own stated that they could not allow a divine foot in the door. The reason for their frantic denial is as Jesus declares it in John three sixteen verse 20, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, 
and men loved the darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that cometh, uh, excuse me, for every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, as Jesus states in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, everything changes for you today. You will be, as Jesus said, born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. You will be free. Today, you will become a child of God. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God said, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God said, 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 9. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season of need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not ye yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Man said, let's face it, you can't trust that book. Everybody knows that. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,183, that will for the 1,183rd time contend for the beautiful book, the Majority Text Holy Bible. All of these word-centric features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May the beauty of God's countenance shine upon you and your home. The blood-bought have been challenged to prove God exists without resorting to using the Bible, faith, or miracles. It happens all the time, but you should know that that is easily done. The challengers missed the entire beauty of God's experimental proof process, a process that all men have been equipped to participate in. Yes, the challengers missed the entire point. Mix faith with the inerrant Word of God, and the resulting miracles that follow are not only the proof these challengers claim to seek, but also an actual demonstration of God's own handiwork in real time. 
When it comes to mankind, the entire issue is faith. We have been created by God to function and flourish by faith. The skeptics attempt to strip the redeemed from their faith, their holy owner's manual God's word, and from their miracle-working God. But the chaste virgins of the cross do not yield one inch. From the cradle to the grave, it is faith or unbelief that dictate all outcomes. I choose which, you choose which. The Bible's very definition of unbelief, which is the absence of faith, is sin. Romans 14.23, For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. This principle, that which is not of faith is sin, was established in the Garden of Eden. Grandmother Eve, the mother of all living, decided to cast off her faith in God's word and instead believe the words of unbelief from that deceiver, Satan, the great dragon, that old serpent called the devil. Sin and death and all the calamities known by man are the result of unbelief. I must know that without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is required for one to make his peace with God. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We lost it all as a result of unbelief in the words of God. And regaining access to the paradise lost is accomplished by reversing course, being converted, believing upon the saving blood of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, and setting the foot to walking in the light. We lost it by unbelief, and we will regain it all by faith. It's faith versus unbelief. And these are the sources of all that is good and all that is bad. Plainly stated, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches that we were created to function and flourish in faith, and that every man has been given a measure of faith. Romans 12:3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. If all that is true, then it should be a measurable reality, and it certainly is. Evolutionists are absolutely bewildered to know that man is actually hardwired for faith, and it begins in the mother's womb. Today's neuroscience and sociology have certified this biblical truth written nearly 2,000 years ago in Romans 12:3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The book, Does God Exist?, referenced earlier, discusses the idea that man is hardwired for faith from the womb. In the chapter titled, The Intuitional Argument, Why Belief in God is Natural to Mankind, Kyle Butt, Master of Divinity, writes under the header, Humanity's Intuitive Theism. Here's what he had to say. It might surprise the reader that even atheists overwhelmingly admit that the humans are predisposed excuse me, to believe in an intelligent creator of some sort. Richard Dawkins, arguably the world's leading atheistic thinker, lecturer, and writer, asked the question, why, if it is false, 
Does every culture of the world have religion? True or false, religion is ubiquitous, so where does it come from? His assertion that religion is false is inaccurate, but his statement highlights the fact, the reality, that religion is universal to mankind and has been in every human culture ever studied. He went on to say a few pages later, Though the details differ across the world, no known culture lacks some version of the time-consuming, wealth-consuming, hostility-provoking rituals, the anti-factual, counterproductive fantasies of religion. Humans are so deeply religious, Dawkins refers to their desire to recognize some type of creator as a lust for gods. The late atheistic writer Christopher Hitchens wrote, Sigmund Freud was quite correct to describe the religious impulse in the future of an illusion as essentially ineradicable until, unless the human species can conquer its fear of death and its tendency to wish thinking. Neither contingency seemed very probable. Renowned atheist Sam Harris was forced to admit the truth that the concept of God is an inherent human predisposition. He wrote, Similarly, several experiments suggest that children are predisposed to assume design and intention behind natural events, leaving many psychologists and anthropologists to believe that children, left entirely to their own devices, would invent some conception of God. The research to which Sam Harris refers is extensive. Paul Bloom and Dina Skolnick Weisberg have written an article titled Childhood Origins of Adult Resistance to Science, which was published in Science Magazine in May of 2007. They suggest that children tend to attribute purpose and design to virtually everything, a tendency authors call promiscuous teleology. Bloom and Weisberg noted, when asked about the origin of animals and people, children spontaneously tend to provide and prefer creationist explanations. In an article titled, Our Children Intuitive Theist, Deborah Kelman documented research which led her to conclude that the proposal that children might be intuitive theists becomes increasingly viable. And together, these research findings tentatively suggest that children's explanatory approach may be accurately characterized as intuitive theism. An extensive 49-page article in Cognitive Psychology, Margaret Evans wondered aloud, why is the human mind, at least the Western Protestant mind, so, success, so susceptible to creationism and so comparatively resistant to naturalistic explanation for the origins of species? In light of the current research, Bloom admitted, there is by now a large body of research suggesting that humans are natural-born creationists. When we see non-random structure and design, we assume that it was created by an intelligent being, he opined. Evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins was right to complain then that it seems as if the human brain were specifically designed to misunderstand Darwinism. Up to this point, we have established that both atheists and theists admit that humans are intuitive theists. That is the belief in an intelligent creator comes naturally to humans. End of quote. Has all mankind been dealt a measure of faith? 
The following paragraphs have been lifted from the God Said, Man Said feature of the measure of faith. Could it be possible that science is beginning to catch a glimpse of God's creative plan? Is it possible that God, in the original design of man, hardwired him to function spiritually via faith, or as the Word of God records, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith? All believers understand, at one level or another, that faith is the only currency in the kingdom of God. Beginning with initial salvation all the way to eternal life, faith is required. Nothing good in the kingdom of God can be obtained without faith. For years, academic unbelievers claimed that man created God and not the other way around. Their position was that faith in any God was a societal crutch used to answer the hard questions of what lies beyond this life and that the IQ challenged find the concept of God rewarding. The headline of the October 25, 2004 issue of Time magazine reads, The God Gene, and the subhead reads, Does our DNA compel us to seek a higher power? Believe it or not, some scientists say yes, end of quote. Jeffrey Kluger authored the article in Time magazine titled Is God in Our Genes? This is one excerpt. Even among people who regard spiritual life as wishful hocus-pocus, there is a growing sense that humans may not be able to survive without it. Kluger continues, Nowhere has that idea received a more intriguing going over than in the recently published book The God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes by molecular biologist Dean Hamer, whose chief of gene structure at the National Cancer Institute Hamer not only claims that human spirituality is an adaptive trait, but he also says he has located one of the genes responsible, a gene that just happens to also code for production of the neurotransmitters that regulate our moods, end of quote. Mr. Hammer does not stand alone in believing that man is hardwired with a God gene. Kluger continues regarding research conducted by Andrew Newberg. Newberg defines how God has created the brain to participate in faith, he writes. Other researchers have taken the science in a different direction, looking not for the genes that code for spirituality, but for how that spirituality plays out in the brain. Neuroscientist Andrew Newberg of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine has used several types of imaging systems to watch the brains of subjects as they meditate or pray. By measuring blood flow, he determines which regions are responsible for the feelings the volunteers experience. The deeper that people descend into meditation or prayer, Newberg found the more active the frontal lobe and the limbic system become. The frontal lobe is the seat of concentration and attention, and the limbic system is where powerful feelings, including rapture, are processed. More revealing is... The fact that at the same time these regions flash to life, another important region, the parietal lobe at the back of the brain, goes dim. It's this lobe that orients the individual in time and space. Take it offline, and the boundaries of the self fall away, creating the feeling of being at one with the universe. Combine that with what's going on in the other two lobes, and you can put together a profound religious experience. Again, Kluger writes, 
those religious believers who are comfortable with the idea that God's genes are the work of God should have little trouble making the next leap, that not only are the genes there, but they are central to our survival, one of the hinges upon which the very evolution of the human species turned. It's an argument that's not terribly hard to make. For one thing, God is a concept that appears in human cultures all over the globe, regardless of how geographically isolated they are. When tribes living in remote areas come up with a concept of God as readily as nations living shoulder to shoulder, it's a fairly strong indication that the idea is preloaded in the genome rather than picked up on the fly. If that's the case, it's an equally strong indication that there are very good reasons it's there. End of quote. Michael Persinger, professor of behavioral neuroscience at Laurentine University in Sudbury, Ontario, had this to say on the subject. Anticipation of our own demise is the price we pay for a highly developed frontal lobe. In many ways, a God experience is a brilliant adaptation. It's a built-in pacifier. End of quote. God created man with the ability to communicate and function in the realm of faith. It's man's choice whether he'll participate. Thousands of years before man begins to understand the reasons why, God declares it in his word, end of quotes. Has all mankind been dealt a measure of faith? The following paragraphs were published in the God Said, Man Said feature, Genetic Faith. This is from a 349-page book called How God Changes Your Brain. As a neuroscientist, the more I delve into the nature of the human brain, the more I realize how mysterious we are. But if I had to pick two things that I have learned as a doctor, a teacher, a husband, and a father, I would first say that life is sacred. Indeed, we are literally driven to live because every cell in our body fights to survive and every neuron in our brain strives to become strong. The second thing I've learned is that behind our drive to survive, there is another force, and the best word to describe it is faith. Faith, faith not just in God or in science or love, but faith in ourselves and each other. Having faith in the human spirit is what drives us to survive and transcend. It makes life worth living, and it gives meaning to our life. Without such hope and optimism, synonyms for what I am calling faith, the mind can easily slip into depression or despair. Faith is embedded in our neurons and in our genes, and it is one of the most important principles to honor in our lives. End of quote. And again from the book. Faith in an optimistic future may be a placebo, but it's important to remember that placebos can cure an average 30% of most physical and emotional diseases. Even an irrational belief in the cure that has been proven not to work can significantly boost the body's immune system when dealing with a deadly disease, end of quotes. All have been dealt a measure of faith, but whether it flourishes or not, is in my hands. Jesus compares the kingdom of God to the mustard seed in Matthew thirteen thirty-one and 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. 
the Gospel of Luke 17, 6 compares faith to the mustard seed. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. When the tiny mustard seed is planted and cared for, it grows and becomes the greatest among herbs. But it must be planted and cared for in order for the final result to be glorious. First Peter 1, 6 through 9, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. For the redeemed, the most glorious beauties are enjoyed when the word of God is mixed with our own faith. It is the currency of the kingdom. Two ways to grow rich in faith are explained in the following passages. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. June chapter, Jude, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. From the cradle to the grave, faith dictates the outcome. Now everybody knows it's true. God's word was true after all. God said, Romans 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God said, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God said, First Peter one six through nine. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Man said, let's face it, you can't trust that book. Everybody knows that. Now you have the record.